Hey, Christ Community family, so glad you are joining us wherever you are. I know there are a lot of questions right now about when we as a church are gonna restart our in-person worship services. We just sent out a video on Friday where I talk about our plan. So if you haven't seen that, I encourage you to check it out. You can find that video on our social media channels or also in your email um, inbox if you're in our database. Um, if you're not receiving our weekly email newsletters and any updates and would like to be, just email. Send an email to info at cccgreeley.org and we will get you on that list. So before we jump into our message, I want to take a moment and just share my heart as it relates to the recent events in Minneapolis. After watching the video of the death of George Floyd and hearing other stories of prejudice and suspicion, I am heartbroken and sad and angry. I long for us to live in a nation where people are not prejudged and under suspicion and mistreated just because of the color of their skin. As Christ followers, we know this is wrong and we also know the only one who can bring peace and justice into this current storm, and that is Jesus. So I would just like to pray right now. Would you pray with me right now just for justice and peace and healing in our nation? So Lord Jesus, we ask for you to be the Prince of Peace, for you to bring peace into our nation where there is such turmoil and anger and frustration and prejudice, all of these things that are surfacing. We pray your peace. We pray for healing. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for justice to be done, Lord, for protection over every sector uh, and every person. We pray for your protection. So Father, we ask you to bring peace now into our hearts. May we have your heart regarding and your mind regarding the situation and we pray for your presence to be poured out now. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to invite you to a Facebook Live conversation and prayer time that I'm going to be hosting tonight about racism. I've invited someone from the black community who is a part of our church family to talk about their experience and for us to pray together about prejudice and racism in our nation. So that's going to be at 6.30 tonight on our Facebook page. So we are in week 13 of the COVID-19 crisis. It's amazing how much the world has changed in the last three months. I mean, it's so interesting to see the various moods that people have, have experienced, right? I, I felt like early on there was this hunker down attitude, you know, we're going to get through this. Everyone had kind of this sense of solidarity and purpose to defeat this virus. But over the last few weeks, you know, it's felt like that has shifted. I mean, if I were to pick a, a one word to describe the prevailing attitude now, it's frustration. I mean, I talk to more and more people who are just done with COVID and all the restrictions. I've heard that over and over. I'm just done. And I get it. You know, I don't like wearing masks. I don't like not being able to meet together safely as a church. I don't like seeing the impact these restrictions are having on our economy. I mean, there is plenty of room for frustration when we're focused on this question of why things are not happening the way we think they should. But as followers of Jesus, I want to challenge us to focus on a different question, a much more hope-filled 
important question. Here, here's the question I want us to focus on. What is God wanting to do in me in this season? That, that question is a game changer, not only for us as individuals, it's a game changer for us as a church. What if we viewed this current situation not as an obstacle, but as an opportunity for God to do something unique and powerful in and through us? As we saw last week, one of the many things that God excels in is his ability to take something that is difficult, difficult or even evil and somehow leverage it to bring about good to those and for those who love him, for those who are willing to say yes to his purposes. So the question is, are we willing to say yes to what God is wanting to do in us in this unique COVID-19 season. So we're in week two of a teaching series that we're calling Be the Church 2020. And in this series, we're wanting to explore together this question, what is God uniquely wanting to do in us in this season? Last week, we saw how God used a horrible persecution in Acts chapter eight to cause the church to get out of its comfort zone in Jerusalem and to strategically scatter where each person was owning, owning the mission to bring Jesus to wherever they were. And we talked about how the same thing is happening today with COVID. I mean, even though right now we can't meet together in the same building, we can still be the church. We are just strategically scattered in 3,000 locations. I mean, this is our for all people part of our purpose statement. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist to be a part of a movement to bring Jesus' love and hope to others. And each one of us is an important part of that. Well, today, I want us to focus on another strategic thing that I believe God is wanting to do in us in this season, and that is to help us grow in relationships, in our experience of community. See, part of, part of our purpose statement as a church is this phrase, as a thriving family. I fully believe that even in this restriction-filled season, God is wanting to deepen our experience of family but it's gonna involve us thinking outside the box, being innovative in terms of how that happens. How can we be the church relationally in the midst of a shelter in place season like we're in? Now, I don't know the exact answer to that, but I do know that we have a person in the Bible who can inspire us in this whole area, a person who was growing in relationships while being sheltered in place in prison. So if you have your Bible, feel free to turn to the book of Philemon. An award goes to anyone who can find this book in the next 15 seconds. Um, Philemon is this tiny book, one chapter long, tucked between Titus and Hebrews in the New Testament scriptures. It's a very personal letter that Paul wrote to his friend Philemon while Paul was sitting in a prison cell. And in this letter, we see a window into the heart of a man who was continually growing in relationships, even though he was truly sheltered in place. I mean, if Paul can grow in relationships from a prison cell in Rome, you and I can grow in relationships in the midst of, a, of socially distancing restrictions. And here's the good news. This is not complicated. It is not. There, there really are just two simple relational principles Paul lived by and that resulted in his continual growth in relationships and community. So the first principle is this. 
value relationships. Value relationships. Paul valued relationships. Look at how he begins this short letter to his friend Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. See, one thing that just exudes from this passage is how much Paul valued people how much he valued his relationships. He starts the letter by listing several people, along with Philemon, that he wants to personally greet. He talks about always thanking God for these people in his life. And at the end of this letter, he mentions several other people who are sending their greetings along with him, right? Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, and so do Mark, and Aristarchus, and Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. I mean, here is Paul in prison, and yet he is talking about the people who surrounded him relationally there in Rome. They, they were part of his emotional and spiritual support team. They visited him in prison. They were there for him. I mean, can, can I just say something really, really important, but kind of obvious, but really important? We need other people in our lives. You can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. And that word this is not just referring to the current COVID-19 crisis. It is referring to all of life. You cannot do life alone. You cannot do life in isolation. You can try, but it will rob you of life. You know, I think of Jesus, our Savior, God in the flesh, on the night before he was crucified, as he is feeling the weight of his mission to go to the cross for us. What does he instinctively do in that moment? As he goes out to pray, what does he instinctively do? He takes three of his friends with him, Peter, James, and John. In this moment of pain, Jesus didn't want to be alone. Jesus, the one who shows us what it looks like to be fully human and fully divine, that Jesus needed community. He needed relational connection. So if he needed it, how much more do we need it in the difficulties and challenges that we face in this broken world? God created us with a need for community, a need for relationships. No human being can live a healthy whole life without relationships. That's how we were made. I mean, this is one of the ways that we reflect the image of God. He's a relational God. This is one of the ways we, we reflect his image. We need each other. Now, this scriptural truth is overwhelmingly affirmed by current scientific research. I could spend the rest of this message reciting scientific study after scientific study that affirm what scripture describes about us as humans. Now, one of the most significant of these studies was, was an incredibly thorough one done at Harvard, where they studied the lives of 286 men over a period of seven decades. From this wealth of data, scientists have been able to identify the life circumstances and the personal characteristics that distinguish 
the happiest, fullest lives from the least successful and, 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 and um, healthy ones. The psychologist who directed the study for 40 years told the Atlantic Monthly Magazine that he could sum up the findings of this whole study, he could sum up the findings in one word, love. He said there are 70 years of evidence that our relationships with other people matter and matter more than anything else in the world. Another study revealed that loneliness has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. One study showed that a lack of social contact can add 30 points to a person's blood pressure. The scientific evidence affirms what scripture has been saying for centuries. We are wired for relationship, for connection. Without it, our emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being is negatively impacted. With it, we experience a wholeness of being. See, Paul lived in this reality. He valued relationships. He knew the blessing that comes from relationships. In fact, I love the word he uses twice in this letter to describe this. Look with me at verse seven. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. And then later in this letter, he says to his friend, refresh my heart in Christ. See, for Paul, his relationships were a source of refreshment, of restoration. They poured life into his very being. Paul valued his relationships. This isn't about being extroverted or introverted. This isn't about being single or married. Paul was single and he knew he needed people in his life. He needed community. He valued community. I mean, throughout the book of Acts, he was always traveling with someone and when he came to a city, he sought out people. He sought out relationships. Paul valued relational connections. So what about you and me? What about you and me? Do we value relationships? I know we all kind of know the right answer. You know, yeah, we should value relationships. But I really think it's important for us to stop for a moment here and think a bit more deeply about this. Do we truly value relationships? One of the things that is happening in our culture is that often technological advancements actually remove us from relationship. So for instance, the guy who invented the ATM, I heard him interviewed recently, he, he, came, he invented, came up with the idea of the ATM. He came up with this idea as he was standing in line at a bank. He was standing in line at a bank, bored to death. And so he invented the ATM out of this desire to save people time. He wanted to make life easier for people, which is great. But one of the unintended consequences of that invention was that now we can make a deposit or withdrawal at a bank without talking to anyone. Heck, I, I now make deposits with my phone at home. I don't even go to a bank, right? And it's not just ATMs. We can now get groceries, gasoline, order food from a restaurant without ever having to interact with a human being. And most of us like it that way. I like it that way. I choose the ATM over the in-person teller every time. I choose to pay with my credit card at the gas pump every time. But what is that doing to my soul? What impact is that having on me as a person? 
as an image bearer of a relational God. David Byrne, who is the lead singer of the Talking Heads, wrote a fascinating article a few years ago entitled Eliminating the Human, where he describes how so much of technology today, digital music, online ordering, driverless cars, automated checkout, Alexa, video games, online education, all of these things are designed to eliminate the need and the hassle of having to interact with another human being. And so he writes this, he says, I'm not saying that many of these tools, apps, and other technologies are not hugely convenient. They are convenient. I'm not saying they're not convenient. But he says, in a sense, they run counter to who we are as human beings. See, this is my reality. I will choose convenience over people every time. Even though as an image bearer of God, I need people more than I need to save a few minutes of time. Again, the question, do we value relationships? Often, we're living in such a way that communicates the opposite. Is it any surprise that recent studies reveal that Generation Z is the loneliest generation on the planet? They are more technologically connected, but they don't feel relationally connected. Our subconscious quest for convenience is undermining our longing for connection. It's robbing us of wholeness, and we are freely choosing it. Do you value relationships over convenience, over time, over money? That's a really important question to answer because how we answer that question directly impacts our ability to embrace Paul's second relationship principle. Pursue relationships. Pursue relationships. When you truly value relationships, you make time for relationships. You pursue them. Now again, COVID has made this a bit more challenging, but it can't be more challenging than it was for Paul, who was sitting in a Roman jail cell when he was writing this letter. I mean, even in this jail cell, Paul is pursuing relationship. For one thing, he's writing this letter. I mean, he is intentionally reaching out to a friend. Now he had to wait for that letter to be delivered by hand. It probably took several weeks. I mean, you and I can reach out to people in a matter of seconds with a phone call or a text. I had a pastor friend who I hadn't talked to for several months call me the other morning. It was a Saturday morning out of the blue, a phone call. Yes, not a text. He actually phoned me. And, and he, he just said he was thinking about me and just kind of wondering how I was doing. And we had a great chat for like 45 minutes. And you know what? That conversation refreshed me to use Paul's words. It poured life into my soul. I felt different that day. And for a few days after, I felt valued. I felt seen. I felt pursued. Now, he could have just texted me an emoji and said, thinking about you, which, which is fine. But the fact that he actually called and we talked, it was huge. And you know, the first thing I thought about when after our conversation was over, the first thing I thought about, why don't I do that with other people? Why don't I call friends I haven't talked to in a while? Why is it that Netflix binging or some to-do list items always seem to be of greater priority to pursue in my life than phoning someone or just talking to someone? Why is that? And what am I missing? What are we missing? 
Now, it's not only those one-on-one connections and conversations. As I mentioned before, Paul was part of a community. Even when he was in prison, he lists several people who were with him there. Not in a jail cell, but they were a part of his life. They probably stopped by regularly. They prayed with him. They shared with him. They wrote letters and delivered, you know, handwrote his letters that he was, he was dictating to them. And he, they delivered them for them. I mean, Paul pursued community even in a jail cell. What about you and me? Are we pursuing friendships in this COVID season? Are we reaching out to people to creatively connect? Now, look, I know it's hard for many of us. It takes courage. It feels a bit risky to initiate a connection with someone, especially if we've been burned before. I totally get that, but it's, it's worth it. If you're in a small group, are you pursuing community? Are you pursuing each other? Are you committed to connecting regularly? As restrictions are gradually lifting, I encourage you to find ways to connect. Our small group has been dividing up into men and women, um, each doing a Zoom call, which just makes it more personal. And the guys, my guy group, we're planning on to get together in in a park sometime soon. How about getting your group together to watch our online service together on a Sunday morning and then have brunch? We have had friends, a few friends over just a few evenings. We just sit on the back porch and and visit. I mean, we need each other. We need each other. Where are you intentionally pursuing community in this season? Where are you pursuing community? We're actually planning a church-wide barbecue on Saturday, June 20th, that we're encouraging all of our small groups to be a part of, to do at, at one of their houses or in a local park. So we will have dozens and dozens of barbecues happening that night. And if you want to be a part of one of these gatherings and you're not in a small group, we have got you covered. Just email info at cccgreeley.org or call the church office and we will get you connected into one of these gatherings. Also, if you're not in a small group, get in one. We are always forming groups, in-person groups, also online groups. You can also form your own group. We would love to help you get a group started. What are you waiting for? This Lone Ranger stuff doesn't work spiritually, emotionally, physically. Relational isolation does not benefit us in any way. You need community. You need relationships. We all do. And not just in a crisis. As we saw earlier, we need relationships because we are created in the image of a relational God. We can't just, you know, we can't just like avoid community and think we're going to be okay. Oh, it's not my personality or what? I'm just going to avoid community. We're going to be okay because we're not going to be okay. We will be missing out on something that we were created for. I mean, what what if God is wanting to leverage this COVID crisis in order to refocus our hearts on our need for each other? What if God wants to use this to reignite in our hearts the value of community and the intentionality to pursue it? We don't have to be able to meet together in one building in order for this to happen. But it won't just happen automatically. It happens when we pick up our phone and call someone. It happens when we make time for our small group meeting, even though our initial thought is, ah, let's just not go tonight. I just want to veg out and watch TV. I mean, this is so often the pull of our hearts right now, right? It's this subtle pull to withdraw 
from relationships. We're too busy, we're too tired. But do we realize the impact this is having? Do we realize the impact this is having? So I've been geeking out on this podcast called The Happiness Lab recently, and it's basically a course um, at Yale University focusing on the science of happiness. it's, It's the most popular course ever at Yale. College students love it, and I'm loving it. I mean, there are so many spiritual parallels in terms of what makes happy people happy, what makes us feel whole. And so in one of these episodes, this psychologist, it was so fascinating, this psychologist describes his research into why people, most people, prefer to sit alone by themselves on a subway rather than interacting with the people around them. So he studied this, did all these extensive studies. And I mean, that's, that's me. I mean, give me, a, give me my book, my phone, earbuds, whatever. I don't want to talk to anyone on an airplane or in the checkout line or in the dentist waiting room or whatever. But here's what he discovered. The people who choose to interact with another stranger on the subway, even if they initially didn't feel like it, those people are significantly happier the rest of the day. And the person with whom they interact is significantly happier as well, long beyond the subway ride. See, he discovered that most of us think we want to avoid people contact in in those situations. Most of us think we want to avoid people contact, but that isolation, that choice we make is actually harmful to us over time. Now this has nothing to do with being an introvert or an extrovert. It has everything to do with how we are wired as humans. We can freely choose to avoid people contact all day long thinking that that's what we want. But scripture and science both affirm the truth that when we live that way, our level of joy decreases our level of physical and emotional well-being decrease because we are choosing to go against something God has placed deep within us, a need for connection. I mean, let me just tell you that this whole topic is really challenging me personally. It's challenging some assumptions that I've made about how it's okay to avoid people contact because I'm an introvert or how it's okay to choose convenience over relational interaction. You know, it's worth it, that's okay, I can save time and all that. That's often how I live my life and I'm realizing I am missing something huge. God is inviting me, he's inviting us into a new way of living where we value people and we pursue connection. I mean, even simple choices like smiling at a stranger, stopping to ask the checkout person how they're doing, walking inside the gas station to pay a human being, not automatically hitting the garage door opener when I get home, but having a conversation with a neighbor, choosing to meet with my small group when I'd prefer to watch TV. All of these simple choices are making a difference in me in this season. I mean, just the other day, I was on a walk by myself, just walking near my house, and I saw this guy taking a picture of the sunset. Usually I would just walk past, but instead I said, but that's quite a view, isn't it? And that comment just opened the door for like a 15 minute conversation. So now it's not just a, it's not just a house I walk past, I now know the person who lives there. And not only that, I'm discovering that it's actually true. I feel better. 
I feel better. I feel more human when I make eye contact with people, when I smile at them, when I stop to chat. And the reason I feel more human is because I am choosing to live out the heart of our God who values people and, and pursues them. You and I were made for this. We were made for relational connection. The question is, are we gonna pursue it? Are we gonna pursue it right now? Not, oh, when all this is over, no. Are we gonna pursue it right now, in this season? Are you gonna pursue relationships? I mean, this is part of what it means for us to be the church, to be a thriving family. It's to value relationships and to pursue them as God desires. I mean, let's be that kind of a church. We need each other. Now, usually at this point, I stop and ask us to pray, you know, invite us to pray in response to the message. But I want to invite you into a, a different response here. I want to invite all of us right now to stop and take out our phone. Just take out, you don't need to stop the recording. Just take out our phone and connect with someone right now. So here's how we're going to do this. In the next 30 seconds, we are all going to text the first person who comes to mind or someone we haven't connected with in a while. You can just tell them that you're thinking about them. You can ask them how they're doing. You can maybe see if, if they'd have some time to chat later today or whatever, all right? So here we go, you got your phone? Here we go, let's all reach out to someone right now in response to God's word. So Father, we thank you for the connections we just made and how simple that was. And Lord, thank you for this reminder from your word of how much we need that. We need relationships. So Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts, that we would value relationships. We would see the ways that some of the choices we're making unintentionally are impacting our connection with people. And I pray that we would choose to pursue relationships. We would, even in simple ways, we would choose to pursue relationships. We would have the courage to reach out, to initiate, to, to uh, connect with people, to be a part of a small group community. If we're not, I pray you would move in our hearts to make that a priority, that we would be a part of community. And if we're a part of community, that we would pursue relationships in that. We would, we would be committed to those relationships. And so, Lord, we thank you for who you are. You're a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we want to live out that identity. You created us in your image. We want to live out that to be people who reflect your heart, who value relationships and pursue relationships. We want to be that kind of a church. Would you help us continue to grow as a thriving family, even in this challenging season? We love you. 
we worship you. We commit our hearts to you. And now we ask, Lord, as we enter into worship that you would set our hearts free to focus on you and to give you the praise and glory that you alone deserve. In Jesus' name.